welcome everybody to episode 31 of the Under Further Review podcast with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And uh, very glad to be back. Welcome uh, back, Burke. Thanks. It's been uh, quite uh, an adventurous two weeks. <laughs> Um, and that kind of leads us into our first sort of set of updates um, we want to kick off with because I um, just spent about a week and a half in um, southern Africa and as part of my tour we happened to drive by the jail in which Oscar Pistorius is being held um, for shooting and killing his girlfriend Reba Steenkamp um, which we talked about on one of our earlier podcasts is that outside Pretoria or it, it's uh, actually in downtown Pretoria oh okay um, and the reason, besides just, you know, mentioning that, um, I drove by his, his prison, <laughs> um, Mr. Pistorius is back in the news because he was rushed to the hospital from his, uh, jail cell, um, with complaints of chest pains. Oh. Now, apparently he's fine. He didn't actually have a heart attack. This is not the first time that Oscar's been, um, rushed out of the prison with medical issues there were some reports that he um attempted suicide oh yeah um by cutting his arms up um i think he said it was just an accident or something but he had to get stitches um but um again he's back in jail now um he's they're only on like a six-year sentence so Mm -hmm. he should be getting out you know sort of well i guess he's three years in at this point Mm -hmm. um Pretoria is a lovely place. I mean, they say he has like good TV and um, <laughs> jails in South Africa, at least for rich white people, don't sound like they're like jails in America. So, you know, other than not having his freedom, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like he's not in such a bad position. But, yeah, uh, when I read that he had chest pains, I'm like, oh, he's probably having a panic attack. <laughs> right. I mean, that can feel like a heart attack, right? Mm-hmm, so, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and he doesn't he get nervous about like being confined or something? I believe that was part of his defense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can I can totally understand if he was having panic attack in jail. I would have a panic attack in jail, but yeah, <laughs> try not to get myself put in jail. Um, yeah. But uh, oh yes, yeah, so the sorry the last uh, his alleged suicide attempt. He said he just fell out of bed. I don't know. You fell out, fall out of bed and like slice your wrists up, but. Um, I didn't see how the cuts went, so... Well, this the news coverage said he injured his wrist. Oh. So I suppose if you fall out of bed and you catch yourself on your with your hands, you could hurt your wrists, mm-hmm. and that wouldn't have anything to do with trying to um, end your own life. But anyway, Mr. Pistorius has had a bit of a dramatic time in prison. I drove by the prison. I mm-hmm. did look, frankly, look kind of like a lot of the apartment buildings that were around there. Which I think says more about the niceness of the prison than the bad shape of the apartment buildings. But um, yeah, so that's our Oscar Pistorius update. So it's just in a residential neighborhood? It's like in the city, yeah. Oh, wow. We were driving from, um, so for those of you who don't know and care, uh, <laughs> they apparently have three capitals in South Africa. One of the is, different provinces or whatever? No, they're actually national capitals. So oh. like the parliament sits in Cape Town. Think the judiciary sits in Johannesburg, and then the president and the vice president and all the cabinet folks sit in Pretoria. Oh, okay. so as part of the tour I went on, we visited the oh. um, Capitol buildings, which you aren't allowed to go into, but it was kind of cool. You got to see like the balcony where um, Nelson Mandela became president, and they had a big uh, celebration there after he passed away to celebrate his life, not the fact that he's dead. Um, and then as we were driving from Pretoria 
like city center to the airport we drove by oh the his prison, prison. yeah interesting so, oh. i did not see him <laughs> i wasn't there when he was rushed out of the um the jail to the hospital but um but he was there so you know that's good stuff yeah you know? i mean personal connections we are, our, yeah we are stories we are living our stories <laughs> <laughs> in a in the safest way possible exactly i waved <laughs> um and so our next update, um, really quickly, O.J. Simpson was uh, granted parole. Um, I don't know how many years into his 30-year prison sentence for an armed I robbery. Think it's nine. Nine. I thought it was nine yeah. too. Um, he and five other men burst into a hotel room in Las Vegas trying to recapture stolen memorabilia. Um, and some of the men in the contingent that he brought with him were armed. Um, so he was sentenced to 30 years for this armed robbery of the memorabilia. And um, he, his parole was granted on a unanimous basis by the parole board. Right. And I think that has something to do with the parole rules in Nevada, that if it's your first crime mm-hmm. um, and you've you know had good behavior in prison, which apparently O.J. Simpson, I guess, has, although I recall reading something about an incident he had when he was in jail but maybe that turned out to not be his fault but in any event um you know nevada the parole rules um they cut pretty i think they have pretty strict criteria that if someone checks off these certain boxes then you are Mm -hmm. to let them out um i think the thing to kind of keep in mind about this crime is that if you if it weren't O.J. Simpson, I don't think this person would have been sentenced to 30 years in jail for the crime he was um, convicted of. Uh, this seemed to be like an attempt to get justice for Nicole Brown and mm-hmm. Ron Goldman through a uh, different venue. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of people who are very upset that he's getting released from jail. But if you just take a look at the crime he happened to be in prison for um, that he was convicted of, uh, this seems like the right result. Yes. Although I feel kind of gross saying that because he definitely <laughs> murdered two people. Because <laughs> um, if you look at the uh, his co-conspirators and his cohorts mm-hmm. in the crime, I mean, most of them probably pled and got probation mm-hmm. and uh, didn't see any jail time. Um, and that's probably because they probably turned evidence against Mr. Simpson. But none of them, I don't think any of them were sentenced to jail sentences more than like a year long. Including this. the people who actually have it. Had the gun. Had the weapons, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, OJ will be back on the street in October. That's right. So, he he was going to be moving to Florida? I believe so. So, the um, story is that OJ, uh, I think we discussed this during our um, last discussion about OJ. He was not convicted. He's found not guilty in criminal court, but he was held civilly liable for the deaths of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman to the tune of $33.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as part of that, the Goldman and Brown families had the ability to seek liquidation of his assets. He moved to Florida because Florida has what is called a homestead exemption, meaning that certain of his, his house and personal assets can't be liquidated um, in order to pay off his debts. So, uh, presumably he will be returning to Florida. I think the most interesting thing was when he, when O.J. Simpson made his statement before the parole board, said that he um, was a good guy, and he um, also asserted that he basically has led a conflict-free life. And 
Technically speaking, I think that's true. Well, except he played football and like hit people and got hit. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I suppose it depends on how you define conflict. Um, but technically speaking, I think that's true. But I just felt that it was very disingenuous of him to say it, uh, considering that um, you know he was that whole trial of scriptination, not only when it actually happened, but more recently in the Emmy award-winning... And the Oscar award-winning documentary. Yes, exactly. Um, and he basically admitted that he killed them in his book, If I Did It, so... Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Nevada Parole Board was not allowed to consider that right. information, so... Uh, but they... One of the board members, I guess, did comment on um, OJ's explanation of what happened in this crime... Um, and said that it didn't quite match up with the official record. Court. So, uh, but he's he's getting out in October, so um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what he does next. He seems like a person who thrives on attention, um, so I would be very surprised if he just kind of uh, retired quietly to Florida to live out the rest of his days. Um, you might not know this. I just was thinking about it. Did he write the If I Did This Book before he went to prison? Or Yes. Okay, so since he's been in prison, he's been relatively quiet, right? Right. Okay. Um, yes, he also did that horrible TV show, Juiced, that was his version of punk except... No, we're both shaking our heads. Yeah, I... I just I remember seeing clips of it. I didn't actually watch when it was on, but there were clips in the OJ Made in America documentary. It's very disturbing. Um, so yeah, we'll see what. I feel like this is how we end a lot of our updates. We'll see what happens with OJ, <laughs> but um, he will be released in a couple months. Yeah. Well, in fairness to us, these are legal stories that don't ever wrap themselves up neatly in you know no. the time that we're sitting to talk about it. As uh, we're going to talk about later on, you know, R. Kelly's. Um, trial for child pornography and like sex with an underage girl went on for seven years. Right. So yeah, we're we're not going to be able to solve a problem in like ten minutes. No, uh, but I think this should, depending on um, what happens. I mean, I suppose if OJ goes out and tries to make more money, um, the families of his alleged victims, um, since he was not convicted in a criminal court. Uh, could come after him for that money, but mm-hmm. it seems like that would already be being dealt with through whatever orders were issued in the civil case. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, but if he, certainly if he speaks out publicly, we will let you know. Um, and for our third update, just to uh, bring everyone up to speed, Farmer Bro was convicted today of three counts of securities fraud. Well, two counts of securities fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit securities fraud. Um, yeah, and he called it the biggest witch hunt of all time and noted that they did find a broom or two but according to martin shkreli he uh was acquitted of the biggest charges except like committing securities fraud is a big fucking deal <laughs> and he could go to jail for up to 20 years um and since he has a horrible personality it wouldn't surprise me if that uh factored into the sentencing because um, while you can't you shouldn't consider things that happen outside of the courtroom um he's been a real shit in the courtroom so mm-hmm. um i don't think he's doing himself any favors in terms of getting the judge to be on his side or feel any kind of sympathy for him yeah as certainly the judge told him to stay off twitter while the trial was happening um because he was uh tweeting hateful things about a journalist um but he did come back 
under several aliases to continue to tweet about his trial. And that journalist, if it's the one I am thinking of, Lauren Duca, he invited her to go to some may have been the White House Correspondents' Dinner with him, to which she responded, I would rather eat my own organs, which <laughs> is just a brilliant uh, comeback. Um, and she uh, did gain some renown for being harassed by Marsha Crilly, but she's a really good writer. I think she works for either, I think she works for Teen Vogue, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, check her out on Twitter. She's a good follow. So the three charges sort of relate to the fact that he deceived investors um, in some failed hedge funds. Um, the, the, the five counts that he did not get convicted for were related to defrauding Retrofin, which is one of his former biotech companies, and using the money from Retrofin to pay off these investors. Um, but apparently Retrofin went public a year a year ago or so. Um, Shikrelli is not involved with Retrofin anymore. And some of the former investors in those failed hedge funds did get stocks in Retrofin as part of whatever, um, you know, pay, paying back some of their investments. And, and it's done really well. So I don't think, I think a lot of the investors have recouped a lot of their money. Uh, that does not make Martin Shkreli any less of a shithead. Mm-hmm. Um, it just means that people are not quite as damaged as they could have been from this whole experience. Um, he's like I know that you like to use phrase garbage people when describing <laughs> the Jenners and Kardashians. Some yeah. of the Kardashians, not all of them, but uh, Martin Shkreli is really you know he's the textbook definition of a garbage person. He is. He's trash. Mm-hmm. Um, and his dad is still facing charges. I think he has not gone to trial, as far as I understand. Oh. So. Um, I'm sure Martin is not going to do anything to help his dad out. Mm-hmm. So um, that continues, but at least for the time being, the uh, Farmer Bros saga seems to be at kind of a an end. Yeah, um, but it'll be. They've not set a date for sentencing. He is still free on five million dollars bail. Um, so he's wandering the world, being an asshole. Yeah. Um, and I think our actual last update is on Charles Oakley. Oh, yes. Uh, as you may recall, he was arrested following a bit of a melee uh, where he tried to beat up James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Um, James Dolan has destroyed the Knicks, so it may have been deserved, but violence is never the answer until it is. Thank you, Matt Barnes. <laughs> um, but he pled out um, today arguing that, you know, why should I, I shouldn't be going to court. We should spend time keeping kids safe. Um, and part of his plea deal requires him to stay out of Madison Square Garden for the next year. Um, so, Which I think, you know, is... Probably a pretty positive thing. Right, because the Knicks are going to be terrible they this season. They are going to be terrible. Um, so, yeah, that's the resolution. I think that is an actual resolution to Charles Oakley's issue, unless he tries to punch out James Dolan again. But um, we'll, that remains to be seen. Hopefully he's learned a lesson here, and uh, we'll just stay away. Yes. And speaking of uh, using courts to help children and um, and for like societal good, what a segue there! <laughs> um, we are one of our main stories is the uh, John Oliver 
is being sued by Bob Murray, who's the head of a coal... Murray Energy Corporation. Murray Energy Corporation, a coal company in West Virginia for defamation and for being mean, really. <laughs> right, and I uh, this all stems from an episode of um, Last Night with John Oliver on HBO that I uh, truly cannot recommend highly enough. Um, where, it's one of his better ones. Yes, um, where uh, John Oliver was talking about the coal industry and basically how throughout kind of the election um, there were all these statements made about how we're going to bring coal back and coal's going to be great and we're just going to be you're going to be working your asses off coal miners. Except it was all a big goddamn lie, which the um, owners of the coal companies, including Bob Murray, admitted um, that coal was never coming back, not just because it's bad for the environment, but also because of a lot of automation. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Bob Murray is notorious for suing people who say mean things about him. Yes. The problem for Bob Murray that was pointed out hilariously (laughs) in the amicus brief um, submitted by the uh, West Virginia ACLU is that being mean and making mean statements about people is not a violation of the law. Um, so I think Jen has teed up some of the greatest hits from this, uh, the brief that was filed by the mm-hmm. West Virginia ACLU, um, which is something like, I don't know, when I read it, I, I dream of a day that I can write and file something like this. But Yeah, so um, so they're in their amicus brief, it is actually a very well-written brief, and, uh, very, and it's supported in, by the law and, you know, cites basically regular textbook jurisprudence on First Amendment rights, etc. But they have, um, their headings are remarkable, and I can probably pull (laughs) some of them up. But basically, the theme of it is, it starts with the heading of this ridiculous case in hand because of the ridiculous nature of the case. But um, another heading is, anyone can say, eat shit, Bob, legally. (laughs) And uh, plaintiff's motion for restraining order is ridiculous, Courts can't tell media companies how to report Bob. Um, all of John Oliver's speech was protected by the First Amendment. You can't sue people for being mean to you, Bob. <laughs> and plaintiff's requested injunction is clearly unconstitutional. You can't get a court order telling the press how to cover stories, Bob. Um, I just, as a stroke of genius, the attorney for the ACLU um, defi- wrote, you know, the plaintiff. Robert Murray, and then defined his that term as Bob, <laughs> so that they could throughout the the brief refer to him just as Bob. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being is yes. that if you do watch the uh, John Oliver segment, <laughs> or if you've seen it, it is uh, stems from um, an incident that happened at Murray Energy where he paid employees like a premium for. Um, doing their work faster, yeah, basically. Like, it was like a reward for productivity, except the concern that the employees had was that um, mine work, you know, you shouldn't really be pushed to do that fast because it's very dangerous. Unsafe. Um, and so he, the company ignored the employee's view and gave them these checks anyway. Oh, and so um, when the checks were either cashed or returned... Some people had written in the memo portion or in this where the signature goes, eat shit, Bob. So that's where it comes from, um, you know, sort of the derisive derivative of his name. Um, and it's, I think, important to mention here that um, Bob oversaw a an incident at one of his mines where um, numerous of his employees were killed in a mine collapse. 
Um, his com- the company's position uh, and his public position was that it was caused by an earthquake in West Virginia, which I suppose can happen. With all the Maybe when yes. you're <laughs> drilling into the fucking ground, it yeah. causes the earth to shift. Um, but a lot of people died. It was awful. Um, and one of the, uh, while it's not funny, um, one of the great lines from the ACLU's brief was noting um, that the complaint also, interestingly, claims that, quote, nothing has ever stressed Bob Murray more than John Oliver's vicious and untruthful attack, unquote. Um, as one media outlet asked, quote, is he really saying that a late night British comedian on a premium channel has caused him more stress than the time that one of his minds collapsed and killed a group of his employees? If so, that's weird, <laughs> um, which is, uh, I think, the understatement of the year. But yeah, I mean, this is just how this lunatic functions, um, that, you know, everything is an injustice committed against him and um, he gets to use the courts to... Um, stop people from being mean to him, which is basically what this case boils down to. And that's not what the courts are here for. No. <laughs> no. You get to be mean to people mm-hmm. if you want to, and if you don't want people being mean to you, like, don't hang out with mean people or shut your fucking TV off. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I think we have discussed this on an earlier episode, that this idea that everyone gets, like, this is kind of the reverse of the people who say, like, the First Amendment protects my right to say whatever horrible, awful things I want to say. Um, which is not, in fact, true. It prevents the government from telling you to stop saying things in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it doesn't prevent private parties from telling you that they don't want to listen to you or that they, you know, they don't want to tolerate what you're saying. However, um, however, there's a however. There's a line, right? So Bob Murray can, doesn't have to listen to John Oliver. Bob Murray never has to give John Oliver a job. Mm -hmm. Bob Murray doesn't need to do anything to, you know, he doesn't have to have John Oliver in his life if he doesn't want to. John Oliver's First Amendment rights don't go that far. Um, But what Bob Murray can't do is use the courts to tell John Oliver he's not allowed to say mean things about Mm -hmm. Bob Murray. Um, so it's a uh, lesson that Bob Murray has apparently never learned because as John, Ol- John Oliver talked about in his piece and as is detailed in the ACLU brief, um, Murray Energy frequently uses the courts to try and shut up people yes. who say mean things about Bob Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he seems to have picked on the wrong person this time. Excuse me, given that John Oliver is backed up by a rather large corporation um, who I'm sure does not want to be uh, if for no other reason they don't want to be in a position where they're being told what their talent can and cannot say on Mm -hmm. the air. Well, and even going beyond that, um, you know, Bob Murray is suing John Oliver for defamation, which... um, You know, good luck to you, Bob, but nothing that John Oliver said, I mean, while it was satirical and there were parts of it that were could be considered mean... Everything he said was true. It is an actual fact. The government did find that the mine collapsed due to unsafe mining procedures and processes. And John Oliver even reported that Bob Murray's position was that it was an earthquake. So nothing that he said was actually false or made up or a lie. So, yeah, good luck with that, Um, Bob Murray. Right. And as the folks in the ACLU pointed out, truth is an absolute defense to defamation. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the pieces of John Oliver's uh, program was showing side-by-side pictures of Dr. Evil 
and Bob Murray. Mm -hmm. Um, And as the folks in the ACLU pointed out, while it is mean, um, they do bear a striking resemblance as Bob Murray, I believe, admitted in their, um, in his uh, initial complaint. Yes. A statement made by plaintiff's general counsel with an uncanny similarity to statements made by a more youthful Dr. Evil. (laughs) So... I was I was really very envious of the fact that they had pictures in their brief. I know it was awesome. <laughs> I, was, uh, I bet Brian Garner would not be okay with that. Probably not. No. Um, but it really I thought it made a beautiful point because they really do look alike. Yeah, so absolutely, that was an inside baseball joke um, for non lawyers out there. Brian Garner is a very popular. Um, he's a lawyer and. He's, he fancies himself a legal writing scholar. Yes, expert. exactly. He goes around the country, charges people like $500 for a half-day seminar on how to become a better legal writer. And um, he and Justice Scalia, I think, uh, teamed up together and wrote a book. They may have, yeah. yeah. So, um, sorry. That's all I need to know about him. Uh. <laughs> Although, some of his ideas I actually like about making like our writing cleaner. Yes. I think there are some... Um, this brief is a beautiful example of a really well-written document. <laughs> yes. um, sometimes, I know in the my prior life as a bankruptcy lawyer, um, you file a lot of the same types of motions mm-hmm. on the first day of every case, and at some point you're just like literally repeating what you filed in your last case. And mm-hmm. it's like, do you really need all this information? Is it really applied? Maybe not, but everybody gets so used to using their form mm-hmm. um, that they can't get off of that and... We were starting to run into judges who didn't particularly appreciate having to read literally the same thing over and over again. So, Well, that's just too bad for them. Maybe they shouldn't be judges. Hmm. Right. I mean, I think part of the problem was that you have law firms charging hundreds of thousands of dollars to bankrupt companies. (laughs) And it's like, I read this, you know, three weeks ago or something. But anyway, um, that we never got, my firm never got called out for that. But there was an incident um, when I was still working in the bankruptcy fields where I think one big law firm, like their fees got denied because oh, the judge was basically like, you got as close to plagiarizing as you possibly can. Like this is, Ouch. yeah, that's embarrassing. Copied. Um, now I think they copied from their own documents. So that's why they didn't get sanctions or whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, it was not good. So lesson to writers and, um, Anyone filing court documents, like, don't rip off other people without attribution. I feel like that's a... Yeah, but it sounds like their problem was also one of repetition. Well, and they were also looking for, I think, like, six Six figures figures, uh, in in payments for work that should not have taken them that long. No, considering they were cutting and pasting. (laughs) Right. Now, I guess in fairness to them, there's a lot of document review that goes into like the factual backup for these things but still you use this exact same fact section for every motion that you file so Mm -hmm. once you kind of have that down you shouldn't have to do it again probably not Mm. anyway Um, yeah so there's really no easy segue into our next big topic although i guess it is this maybe is a attempt to use the courts to help people that's failing for a variety of reasons that we can get into as we talk through the story Genevieve's making a face. It's because the police can't do anything because all these women are of age was my thought process. But no one's being sued, right, so far as I know. Not yet, no. So we're going to stop being, like, vague about it. So our next story (laughs) is about um, R. Kelly and his purported sex cult. Yeah. uh, (laughs) 
that's basically the the gist of it. Um, it BuzzFeed, uh, I think last last week or the week before, um, mm-hmm. produced this huge investigative piece about R. Kelly and an alleged sex cult that he is running in Georgia and Illinois. Um, where he basically reaches out to young women who want to be in the music industry, um, gives them secret cell phones so that he can only contact them on that, then lures them away from their families um, and rents out like homes or apartments for them near his homes in Georgia and outside of Chicago, uh, and then forces them to cut off all contact with their families and uh, it seems like he engages in sort of, if the investigation is to be believed, uh, basically like a dom-sub type relationship where he, you know, tells them when they can eat and what mm-hmm. kind of clothes they can wear and who they're allowed to talk to, um, which, you know, is not everybody's bag. Um, but part of the issue with the, the investigation um, and sort of, doing anything about this alleged sex cult is that all of the women who um, were, I guess, identified as being um, part of this group are all uh, adults. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, while this might not be something that, you know, you're particularly into, consenting adults can kind of do what they want to do as long as a law is not being broken. And um, there does not appear to be any law being broken based on the uh, details of this report it just seems weird and terrible (laughs) but people get to do weird and terrible things with their lives if they are grown adults yeah it's um it is weird and terrible but like when i first read the story i literally was just like oh sorry kelly that doesn't surprise me at all like right so for for those of you who uh may not be as uh up to date on the uh, escapades of r kelly he first kind of came to fame in the, I guess, early 90s, um, mm-hmm. in part because he has a beautiful voice, he's a really good R&B singer, <laughs> but um, sort of more scandalously because of his relationship with R&B singer Aaliyah, rest in power, <laughs> um, who at the time that he first met her was 12, he was 24, uh, there was evidence later discovered, there were always rumors about the type of relationship they had um they denied anything untoward um but i I think it was actually after her death that it came out that they were married Mm -hmm. when she was 15 and he was 27 um and she was not in contact with her family at that time um Mm -hmm. they falsified her birth certificate so that it said she was 18 um the marriage was annulled within a year and she moved back with her family cut off contact with r kelly And for the time that Aaliyah was alive, she denied that there was, that she was married, um, yeah. they were good friends, and they were um, creative partners, but there was no relationship between the two. Turns out that was not accurate. Yes. They were married in Rosemont, Illinois on August 31st, 1994. Um, so then, the uh, person who wrote the BuzzFeed article, um, Dan, I think, DeRog- or Jim DeRogatis... He used to work for, he was a music reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. Had been for quite some time. He started getting um, sort of anonymous tips and information about um, R. Kelly and his involvement with young women. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, even beyond the relationship with Aaliyah, there had been kind of scuttlebutt that he liked young girls. 
Um, and Derogatis, you know, didn't think too much of it until he um, was delivered an anonymous videotape. Yes, uh, which the prosecutors allege showed R. Kelly having sex with a 14-year-old girl. And peeing on her. <laughs> peeing on her. Um, which is a salacious detail that uh, seemed to be what everybody got hung up on because it's horrifying but more horrifying is that it is a 14 year old girl girl. Uh, (laughs) so that is the uh the trial that jen was referring to earlier Mm -hmm. that took um seven years actually i think it was six years i misspoke before we started recording um the videotape was delivered to um in 2002 he didn't kelly didn't go to trial until 2008 Mm -hmm. um and uh, the jury eventually, he was only charged with child pornography charges, not with rape, which seems odd because you would think if the whole basis of the uh, claim was that she was a minor, like statutory rape is a strict liability yes. crime. And strict liability basically just means that there doesn't need to necessarily be intent. No, um, just, and you don't even, and you can say that you had no idea, idea that yeah. she was 14 or Whatever, like the fact that she was 14 and the fact that he was older than 18. That's all you need to prove in order to be convicted of statutory rape. But they didn't charge him with that. Not sure why. Um, He was uh, not convicted of the child pornography charges. The jury didn't think that the prosecution proved that the girl was a minor. I don't know that they ever found her. Um, I think that was part of it. Yeah, we didn't look too deeply into that prior charge when we were... reading about these sex cult claims (laughs) Um, because the sex cult was more than enough that was that was plenty um so after that you know he was he seemed to have kind of fallen in esteem with uh, a lot of folks um but he also seemed to be leaning into his reputation as a creep Mm -hmm. because i believe it was after this that he came out with in the closet in the closet which um i'll admit i've watched (laughs) and it's fucking nuts <laughs> it's both like horrifying and like you can't look away it's just there's an incident with his wife in the movie and a little person <laughs> and he sings about it her name is bridget you can imagine what he refers to the little person as <laughs> it rhymes um and it's just it's a it's a mess it, yeah and it's so long <laughs> but you still can't turn it off no. you just want to know like how it ends my roommate and i because it's split up into like various vignettes mm-hmm. and we just could not stop watching it it was a wormhole we fell into for hours but um yeah so he seems to have embraced his like horrifying reputation mm-hmm. um and now we come to on that before we Today, get yeah oh. before we get to the sex cult there was a line in the BuzzFeed article that um, I just wanted to repeat because when I read it again I was like oh, I'm not surprised <laughs> um, so Chicago attorney Susan Loggins declined to say how many settlements she has negotiated with Kelly before lawsuits were ever filed but she said they were numerous and recently included one for a 17 year old aspiring singer from Chicago's West Side but. The fact that she has engaged in numerous settlement agreements with young girls because of R. Kelly's proclivities towards being with them, that's just, I'm like, he's a menace. He's like a public menace. Everyone, how does everyone not know this? Like, what's kind of crazy is they, in the, um... 
BuzzFeed story, they have a lot of detail. There's a particular family who mm-hmm. has only talked to their daughter, like, twice in the past couple of years or mm-hmm. something. Like, she sends them text messages like, hey, Merry Christmas from me Happy and Mother's Robert, yes. um, which is R. Kelly's actual first name. Um, and then they don't hear from her, and they're very worried. They feel like she's been, they think, they believe she's in a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, they said she looks very thin and disheveled. Apparently, these young women are, um, they have to wear, like, track suits. Yes, because R. Kelly doesn't want to see their shape. Right. Or doesn't want anyone else to oh, see that's their true shape. Too. And one of them, I guess, according to the BuzzFeed story, laughed at a joke that a male cab driver made, and R. Kelly punched her in the face for laughing. Wow. He would murder me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, that the family, the whole thing started with this one young woman because her parents introduced her to R. Kelly yes. in order to um, advance her, advance singer, her career. singing career. Like, what the hell? I mean, ugh. So the mother in the story, it it's because your first thought is, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like, who doesn't know that R. Kelly is a predator? Yes. So her thinking, according to the story, was that she is a stage mom and she would always only be in the same room with R. Kelly and the daughter. The daughter and R. Kelly couldn't be in the same room together. Um, any communications she would be involved in. So she thought that she was going to be so hands-on that there would not be a situation where sure, Ar- telling a teenager that they can't do something is yes. a really great way to ensure that they don't do, do it. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, she, she was shocked apparently to find out that like R. Kelly had been communicating with her daughter on the DL. And... Right, the child predator. Yes, preyed on her child. Um, it's not a laughing matter, but still, I mean, this the story is kind of ridiculous. I mean, reading it. Fair enough. She thought that she could do something mm-hmm. to protect her, but um, it still seems a little crazy to me that these folks, and that's how he has um, attracted a lot of these women, it mm-hmm. sounds like, um, is by trying to, you know, tell them that he can um, uh, help them, help them mm-hmm. with their careers, mm-hmm. and then they end up being cut off from their families and Very having track to... Suits stare at the wall when another man walks in the room because that's something that the sex cult requires them to do. Um. So, but, you know, as we said at the beginning of the story, these girls, you know, while they're they're not girls, right. They're they're women. Yes, they are of consenting age in the respective states in which they're being held captive. He's 50. I was just reading the one of the, sorry, the front page of the BuzzFeed story. Yeah, he's 50. his age. Oh my god. Um, anyway. I was just kind of curious, and this is a very horrible thing to think. Do you think that he is preying on women who are of age one because he's smart enough now to know that he has to, or because he's 50 and 19 is young enough? Like, was... I would think more more so the former. Uh, I mean, he's been sued and gotten in enough trouble that he's probably just found a way to, like, tolerate women in their late, <laughs> late teens, teens, early 20s. Um, and he seems to like swap them out for new people regularly. It's true. Um, because it's uh, in one story, I think it was a Vox article talking about the BuzzFeed article. Um, they uh, talk about a young woman who was thrown out of Kelly's um, the family or whatever they want to call the it. Sex cult. Yeah, the sex cult when she turned 18. 
Um, so perhaps it was before he wised up to the fact that um, he shouldn't be having relationships with people who are underage. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, so there's women who are older, um, but I think they all start out at like 18, 19. There's, there's a dead mother who's 31. <laughs> this reminds me of a movie I saw about sex trafficking where there is like an older woman who basically does all the dirty work to like lure the kids in mm-hmm. um and then there are men who make all the money off of the so trafficking ring but this is this is not a funny story but did you read about the woman who was sitting behind a man on a southwest flight and because the text on his phone was so huge, she could see it from the seat behind him. And he's engaged in a human trafficking ring. I did. Way to go, passenger on the plane. So she reported to the cops, and now he mm-hmm. has been arrested, yes. and they've broken up the the, the trafficking ring. But the no. reason why I bring that up is because the... He's so old, he has to have giant print. Well, or... <laughs> that too. That I just find hilarious. No, but it, um, he got his victims through a woman who did all the dirty work. Right, yeah. yeah. I guess women are less threatening. Wasn't that also part of True Detective Season 2? Yes. There was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... But um... I was just like, the whole huge font thing, I was just like, oh my god. That's <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, but yes, I did see that story. Mm-hmm. Let's Really, so yeah, keep an eye out for weirdos on planes. I guess is the moral of. I guess yeah, you can. You never know, like who you're going to run into. Um, and don't let your daughters hang out with R. Kelly. I feel like is the that's uh, the bigger moral of the moral story. Of the story. <laughs> Apparently, um, to kind of bring this back around to legal issues, um, there are police in Georgia and Illinois have done welfare checks on some of the women that are. Um, living with or living in R. Kelly's properties mm-hmm. and the women say they're fine. They just, they are choosing not to be in contact with their families. They're where they want to be. Um, and because these women are um, of age, mm-hmm. there's nothing their families can do. You know, even if there was something um, untoward going on and he was really controlling them against their mm-hmm. will. Um, it's very hard when you're dealing with an adult to step in and help them because yeah. if, you know, you're a grown adult saying, I'm doing what I want to be doing. You know, the cops can't say, well, we think it's weird, yeah. so, yeah. so please you got to go. Yeah. yeah, like your mom wants you to come home, kid. Sorry. <laughs> um, 25-year-old lady or whatever. <laughs> the, yeah, the mom in the in the main, like, the main narrator in the story, the mom, her she and her husband filed a missing persons report for the daughter um, at the college where she was enrolled. But she's, there, she's while there found. Is, well, while there's technically an open case, she's not a missing person. They know where she is. She's just not contacting them. So. Yeah. Um, so speculation is R. Kelly, his attorneys have responded, um, have released statements responding to this investigation saying that, you know, this is completely false. He's very disturbed and upset by these allegations being made against him. Um, and they do seem to be indicating that he's going to file a lawsuit against BuzzFeed, mm-hmm. um, Goddess, um, whose last name I keep pronouncing differently, uh, <laughs> and, you know, whoever else, I'm sure they can uh, find a basis to sue um, BuzzFeed and Goddess for whatever it's worth or standing by the investigation and the mm-hmm. story. So um, we'll see how that develops. Yeah. Um, yeah. R. Kelly. Oof. Um, Ugh. Yeah. I can never listen to... I believe I can fly the same way. Who really ruins Space Jam? 
Um, so those are the two big stories we have. Um, sliding into our three-minute warnings. Um, and uh, three-minute warnings and reality TV soup. I'm going to go with my story first because I think we can lump all of the, the other stories together. together yeah. um, so my big story this week was uh, Neymar is signed with uh, PSG. Uh, he is leaving Barcelona and going to play um, in Paris now. And I guess the, the biggest thing about the story is that um, the transfer fee for Neymar was £198 million. And that is double, basically, what the biggest transfer fee was last year for Paul Pogba. That was like £98 million. Pounds. Um, the deal in total should be about £400 million. Pounds. So £198 million for his transfer fee and then almost $200 million in salary. I believe Neymar is going to be making a million dollars. A million dollars a week? Yeah, a million dollars a week, not a million pounds a week. Um, I mean, it's now with the uh, exchange rate being not so great. Yes. <laughs> Um, it's insane. It's an insane Yikes. amount of money. But what was what I found kind of funny was when PSG sent basically the giant check to La Liga to pay for Neymar. Um, La Liga declined to take the check, citing um, you know breach of like fair play rules and and all of that. Um, they didn't really want to release Neymar. I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, eventually, the check was cashed, so he's he's going. Um, Neymar's dad is his agent, so his dad from this deal is making like 40 or 60 million pounds from it. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean, it's an insane amount of money. So P the reason why PSG could write a check for $198 million just for a transfer fee <laughs> me. is because PSG is essentially owned by the Middle Eastern state of du uh, Qatar. Sorry. Uh, they had the Qatar Sports Indicate. Syndicate? Sports Syndicate? Syndicate? No, oh. there's an I. It's QSI. They bought a 70% share of um, PSG several years ago, and then they bought out the rest of the um, shareholders, so they own 100% of PSG. But, like, literally, if they just need to generate more money, they can probably tax the Qataris or dig for more oil or something. But, yeah, they... Qatar Sports Investments. Oh, investments. Um, when I tried to Google QSI, it tried to take me to the Wikipedia page for ISIL. Um, <laughs> so, oh, yeah, no, no, no. But that's not it. Totally no. different. Um, yeah, so it's uh, there's been lots of rumors as to um, why Neymar would want to leave Barcelona to play for P PSG, who, you know, the French League is not that great of a league. Um, PSG is pretty much guaranteed a place in the Champions League each year because it's the only good team in the league. But, you know, you're giving up the um, spotlight to go there. But, I, you know, rumor has it that he might be tired of playing second fiddle to Messi. And I forgot what show I was watching the other day. It was on ESPN. It might have been, like, pardon the interruption, but someone had said that Neymar is Portuguese for Kyrie. Um, <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Nice. Um, I think it was Frank Isola who said that, so I will give credit where credit is due, but I thought that was pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that's my three minute warning. Um, I was going to ask as you were talking about this. Mm -hmm. So I've lived in another country um, and needed to get money from my parents in order to uh, fund my living there. I went to college mm -hmm. in Canada and spent a year living in Ireland. International banking regulations put, like, pretty strict limits on how much money you can transfer across <laughs> national lines. Now, I don't know if it's because, P I mean, is it because PSG 
France and Spain are both in the EU. Like, how did they actually, like, how did they functionally get the 198 million pounds from France to Spain? I just feel like I'm I'm probably being nitpicky here, but it just struck me as like, how the hell did they actually get that money over to them? I'm going to try to figure this out because that's a really interesting question. Because I know for a fact that these teams still use fax machines. They do in the NHL, too. There was a (laughs) story a few years ago about how someone screwed up in not faxing out offer sheets in time Mm -hmm. and lost his job. So, yeah, and there was a a kerfuffle a few years ago because, um, like, Real Madrid's fax to Man U for David De Gea didn't come on time or, I don't know, got stuck in the transmission or something, but... So for a, for a league and for like sports teams that are worth billions of dollars who still use fax, I really don't know how the 198 million pounds goes from like France to Spain. Um, anyway, if we have any listeners who are familiar with international banking regulations, uh, shoot us an email at uh, underfurtherreview.bg <laughs> at gmail.com and let us know what your thoughts are. Um, so moving on to another three-minute warning item, um, and the... This kind of blends into our reality TV stoop because there are a lot of uh, athletes and celebrities who are getting divorced this week. Mm -hmm. Um, The first person we're going to talk about is boxer Amir Khan. Um, He and his wife just split up, so there is no divorce proceeding yet, so our ability to talk about the legal issues is kind of limited. Um, But they are very messy. (laughs) They basically split up over Twitter. (laughs) As you do. Because that's a way to end a marriage. Um, Amir Khan tweeted out that uh, basically, not I won't won't even paraphrase. I'm going to read the exact quote. So me and the wife, Faryal, have agreed to split. I'm currently in Dubai. Wish her all the best. Second tweet a minute later. Faryal moved on quick. Always mentioned to me how much she wanted to be with another guy. From all people, another boxer, and then there's the emoji with like the straight mouth, and he um, tagged at jo- at Anthony Joshua, who is another British boxer, mm-hmm. um, and then I believe he um, screen capped some texts, yes, basically saying like "You good? Are you coming to London on Monday?" But it's between a person named Ghost and me. I don't know if Anthony Joshua is supposed to be Ghost. I think so, because I would assume that me is, is, is Farrell, the wife. Yeah, the wife. Um, and so then Amir Khan, eight minutes, or two minutes after that, says, LOL, moved up in the weight class, LOL. Trust me, I ain't the jealous type. No need to send me pictures of the men you're talking to. <laughs> Disgusted. And then, five minutes after that, says, Man's like Joshua can have my leftovers, which he spelled incorrectly and ended with an exclamation point. Um, So, Mrs. Khan, uh, soon to be ex-Mrs. Khan, clapped back, saying, Accusing other boxers just because your boxing career is finished, man up, Amir, and she didn't capitalize Amir. Um, And then Anthony Joshua dove into the fray, Saying, you know, basically, I hope that um, you guys can resolve your situation. Plus, I like my women, BBW, which I have no idea what that means. 
I think it's big boned women. I think that's the maybe. I think that's what it's short for. Clearly, I don't spend enough time online. Uh, and then <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the and then the new the best part is that he then responded by posting a link to Shaggy singing "It Wasn't Me." Big beautiful women. Oh, big beautiful women. Okay, uh, defined as plus size, oversized fourteen. <laughs> According All right. to Urban Dictionary. And um, the soon-to-be ex, Mrs. Khan, looks like a skeleton with skin pulled over it. So um, I don't think she is Mr. Joshua's type. According to Mr. Joshua. Yes. Um, so anyway, the the cons, God, this is really ugly. They continue to go back and forth um, arguing over Twitter because, you know, that's the appropriate place to solve your marital problems. <laughs> Apparently, backstory on this is that Amir Khan's family... I guess hates his wife, um, his brother going so far as to compare her to Michael Jackson, saying that she looked like him, not that she had his musical talent. Um, and then she told Amir Khan he couldn't go to his brother's wedding, so that caused a big rift in the family. Um, and Amir Khan tweeted out, you know, I basically, I ditched my family for her, and this is how she treats me. Um, she stood by him in the wake of a sex tape scandal, so they're just... <laughs> bad scene and probably they will be better off without one another it sounds like it and i think we're probably all better off if they stopped like engaging one another in a very public forum i know like just oh god yeah walk away from twitter i feel like that's advice that a lot of people could take nowadays Mm -hmm. um she tweeted out things i think he just needs some attention because boxing hasn't been going well for him so he's just be 30 hashtag 30 year old baby (laughs) sometimes people don't like it when you give them a taste of their own medicine um he sold his they have a couple of homes um he was trying to get one sold pretty quickly um unclear if it's because of the divorce or mm-hmm. why that was um uh or why why yeah. that was happening um one of them tweeted out the amount of evidence i have on you it can destroy you but since i loved you at one point in my life period i'll just let it go period periods are not appropriate in any of those places uh, <laughs> I really, I'm, now I'm feeling like kind of inspired to do like an annotation of all of their tweets. So that might be something that goes up on the blog. Um, but uh, in any event, um, a lot of excitement coming from Amir Khan and his uh, estranged wife. Mm-hmm. So should their, um, their divorce move forward, um, we will keep you updated. What I think could be interesting is he's British. His wife is American. I believe they were married in England, but it's not clear like who's going to move forward with the divorce first, where they're going to get divorced, how the different laws will apply, because they do have property excuse me, in both the U.S. and England. They were married at the Waldorf Astoria in New York. Oh, they were? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Look at you with the details. <laughs> um, she's allegedly a model, but I had never heard of her before this incident, so I guess that doesn't really mean anything. She just maybe was a famous model, but... Um, yeah, it's uh, so um, Anthony Johnson is actually doing pretty well fight fighting wise. Um, I believe he beat uh, one of the Klitschko. I can never remember which one, Vitaly or Vladimir. He, or yes, um, he, he beat the boxing one. Obviously, um, I and think they were both boxing ones. Vladimir is oh. the one who just retired. Yes, so he beat Vladimir because the 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 match in which he beat Vladimir was just last year or earlier this year. So. It's not the mayor of Kiev. This is the one married to Hayden Panettiere. So you're not married yet. 
They're not? I don't think so. Oh, man. All right. Um, Sorry, we're leaning really hard on the gossip part of this. Uh, <laughs> Right so, yeah, so um but so he's had some uh Anthony Johnson, I mean Joshua. Joshua, yes. Oh man, it's getting late. Um there's been wine. Um, We're recording this on a Friday night, <laughs> may not do that again. <laughs> um he's had some success, recent boxing success. That's all I wanted to say. And he doesn't like skinny ladies, so Amir Khan is probably barking up the wrong yes. um tree so to speak oh yeah so it was like it was earlier this year it was april 29th at wembley and uh joshua uh beat klitschko in a tko and he was lauded as like basically a a hero in england who's still really into boxing the country not as a whole and not like america right and i think unlike a lot of um american famous american boxers one in particular i'm thinking of he seems to be like a pretty pleasant and you know, <laughs> uh, nice person, so there's a reason the public would be rooting for him. Floyd mm-hmm. um, Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Floyd Mayweather, we're looking at you. <laughs> um, so, moving on, um, staying with the divorce theme, but moving to our reality TV stoop, um, Larsa and Scotty Pippen are um, have rethought again um putting a hold on their divorce and appear to be moving forward with splitting up their 20-year marriage um scotty pippen is obviously uh famous from his time with the chicago bulls um before Kyrie became Kyrie. (laughs) (laughs) yeah well that's the sad part the daily mail article basically said um he was like second fiddle yeah but he called him like uh he called they called him Michael Jordan's lieutenant. Aww. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't think Michael Jordan could have been Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen, but, you know, I'm not going to not gonna get into a war with the Daily Mail on this. I mean, he wasn't really Michael Jordan until Scottie Pippen came along, right? Yeah. So, yes, six-time NBA champion Scottie Pippen, who is mostly known as Michael Jordan's lieutenant. So... Ouch. Yeah. Um, so, Larsa Pippen um, was featured... She's a cast member of The Real Housewives of Miami, which is no longer on the air. I did not watch it because I just did not enjoy that particular cast. Also, turns out, Larsa Pippen doesn't live in Miami. She lives in Fort Lauderdale, which I learned because they are um, selling both Mm -hmm. their home in Fort Lauderdale and their home in, um, I think, the Highland Park area of Chicago. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's a suburb or a part of the city, but... Suburb. Um... So, the couple, um, back in October, Larsa Pippen called the police on a couple of occasions um, to help her because Scotty was being violent. I don't believe there were any allegations of actual physical violence towards her, just that he was being verbally abusive and breaking things. Um, yeah. Whether that's actually true or not was unclear. She cried a bunch. The cops showed up one time. He was never charged with anything. Not that that means he didn't do anything but so uh to what you were just <laughs> saying um when she did call oh, yeah. 911 the operator asked larsa to describe the alleged abuse in one word verbal or physical and apparently scotty pippen could be heard in the background screaming verbal <laughs> so so she was calling the cops on speakerphone apparently yes. which seems a little odd but you know not to uh, people going through a traumatic incident who am i to judge um so they fi- scotty pippen filed for divorce in october mm-hmm. He um, appears to want full custody of their children, and it also sounds like he wants to move them back to Chicago out of Florida. Um, Larsa Pippen is contesting all of that, seeing spousal support 
wanting him to pay for the kids to go to private school. Um, she wants to keep their home in, I believe, Fort Lauderdale, which they are currently in the process of selling. Um, they put the divorce on hold earlier in the summer, though. Um, there was a hearing. They, uh, the attorneys showed up and said, basically, uh, family's trying to, the couple's trying to work it out. Um, so things were sort of put on hold. And then they had another status conference, I think, earlier this week. Um, at which point both attorneys said, no, no, we're, we're going to be moving forward with they've, this process. Yeah, they've scheduled another mediation session. Um, and nothing has been apparently been filed in the case since February, so things have been kind of quiet, but it sounds like the Pippins are not going to be able to reconcile, which is unfortunate for so many reasons, um, not the least of which is they're both apparently really awful drivers, and it just <laughs> feels like they're made for one another. Um <laughs> As uh, I was doing research on this piece of the story, there was a lot of coverage about um, Larsa Pippin being pulled over for speeding, um, driving without proof of insurance, and having tint on her windows that was too dark for Florida law. Um, I believe she was contesting all of that. And as part of that same story, they noted that um, Scotty <laughs> last year was cited for, oh, driving on a suspended license, that's really bad, and driving 90 in a 65 zone, um, which does feel like it's just kind of freeway driving. Probably means he was driving like 100 and something in a Probably. 65 zone. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, they seem to be made for one another, but there have been allegations that Larsa has a um, not-so-platonic relationship with some of the Kardashian family Remember, oh. she and Kourtney Kardashian are very close. Um, not that that's a legal issue or oh. really anything wrong with that. Just a salacious detail about the... Um, I had no idea. And I, I do think part of the stories, you know, running around the family uh, are that um, Larsa has, like, bankrolled some of Courtney's businesses, whether that was with Scotty's knowledge mm -hmm. or not. Um she does seem to be spending a lot of time with the Kardashians. They do they also have a home in Calabasas? Did I read that? I thought I read that somewhere. Oh, maybe. Uh, that would be the that would be a connection, connection. to the Kardashians because they they live in Cal Calabasas. And it does seem like a lot of NBA players and retired NBA players moved to LA, even mm -hmm. if they've not played there. Mm -hmm. um, and didn't Scotty played for the Trailblazers before the end of his career, right? So that's like Correct. West Coast. Mm -hmm. um, I believe Larsa Pippen is from the Chicago area, so um, it has really taken a shine to Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> uh, they do have a really good like diner ice cream shop. Actually, I don't even know if that's in Fort Lauderdale. That might be in Hollywood. Oh. Um, but that's that and the airport are my only memories of Fort Lauderdale. So yeah, but Chicago has the place and Sather's that has like cinnamon rolls as like your bread basket. Come on, right, and popcorn. <laughs> yes, and, and popcorn. The pizza. Mm -hmm. um, so assuming that the Pippins move forward with their divorce, we will update you as more details come along although it seems kind of like sad and not all that interesting so maybe we yeah won't. i mean they've been married for like 20 years they have four kids it's yeah. not like it's not a flashy i mean i'm sure it was unless she's having an affair with courtney kardashian in which case whoa yes <laughs> it'll be open season on uh, reality tv stoop um and then the last item on the reality tv stoop again with our divorce theme but it just makes me so sad um luann the Countess uh, D'Agostino is ending her seven-month marriage to Tom D'Agostino, or as he is affectionately referred to, uh, Tom Gristides, which is a 
joke uh, amongst people who live in New York because there are two big local grocery chains, D'Agostino's and Gristini's. Oh. Gristini's is a little more low rent than D'Agostino's, <laughs> and Tom D'Agostino was a low rent person. So oh, okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> Luann is a cast member for the Real Housewives of New York. She, when she started on the show nine seasons ago, she was married to Count Alexander Dilliseps. I don't really understand French royalty since it doesn't quite exist anymore, but she was known as the Countess. She was really, like, up herself, as the British would say. Um, and then her husband left her for an Ethiopian princess. Oh. Um, and there were allegations that they had an open marriage. Um, the divorce was, uh, I don't know, it was sad. She seemed depressed and upset about it. She then had a long-term French boyfriend, Jacques, on the show, but... Uh, she cheated on him on camera with a pirate that looked like Johnny Depp from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Wait, so was he an actual pirate? No, he was, I think he was just dressed up as a pirate. Okay. They were they did a trip every season. The ladies go on at least one trip together. And I believe this that season they went on a trip to St. Bart's and they oh, were all out. And for um, women in their late 40s and early 50s and some of them in their 60s, they can hold their liquor um, quite well. Or they drink too much. I don't know. <laughs> there was a distinction there. Um, but, yeah, they went out to some bar, and then she brought the pirate home. Jacques seemed to forgive her, but then they split up. Um, and then she, last season, started dating this guy, Tom, who had dated two of her other castmates before he started dating her. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they got engaged. And while... Yes, no, I think oh. you, I think this part will answer the question that I have. So, so um, during the course of the show, Luann, like, I'm pretty sure she threw herself an engagement party down in Palm Beach and Miami, which are not that close together. I just can't, I think they started in Palm Beach and then went to Miami. But anyway, um, during the time that the whole cast was down there celebrating her engagement, someone sent Bethany Frankel, who's probably the most famous of the housewives, um, photos of Tom making out with some lady at the Regency Bar in New York. Regency is a hotel in New York. Um, and so then Bethany broke the news to Luann. Luann was very upset, decided she was just going to forgive him and everything would be fine, um, except his bad behavior, I sounds like, did not stop um, after they got married. There have been He's been caught on camera this season saying things like, I'm a dog with a collar, um, just making like, unkind comments about his wife behind her back but while he is mic'd up <laughs> um so allegedly a couple of weeks ago she was caught slapping him across the face in public um she said it was a love tap um i don't know about you i've never smacked somebody i've been involved with across the face period certainly not in front of people and then tried to pretend like it was just <laughs> yes how i show i care i'm gonna <laughs> go out on a limb and say that if a man slapped a woman across the face and called it a love tap it would not be cool no no <laughs> He'd actually call the police um so yeah so they're splitting up luann announced it on twitter um think yesterday morning um so that's they only made it to seven months she lost her title she was still called the countess um because she had been the countess and hadn't remarried and then she married this asshole and had to give up her title which seemed very important to her because her tagline in this season is the only title i would give up countess for is wife (laughs) oh that is really sad wait so did she actually have to like give up her title like to the french 
people like who is she, she i don't just, know she just can't be called countess anymore i think so okay. i think there's like some i don't know the is there a ceremony the is rules there? of french royalty mm-hmm. like as long as you're just the the ex-wife and you haven't remarried you get mm-hmm. to keep your title yeah. um and she can't anymore so no. <laughs> Um, she says she's handling it fine and doesn't feel foolish for marrying this guy who she knew cheated on her before they got married. Yeah, because I remember from one of the most recent episodes of reality TV Stoop when Bethany gave her this information, she's like, I'm going ahead with this wedding anyways. Yep, she was basically like, I'm not going to let one stupid kiss ruin my life, um, which didn't have to because she could have not married him and then everything (laughs) probably would have been fine. Um, but she did, and you know that's a that's a choice she can make. So they did have a big wedding in she did, Palm Beach. I'm sure Bravo paid for it. Maybe I don't know if they did. There was definitely they had it on the show, but um, some of their some of the people who've gotten married based on Bravo shows get their entire own series around the wedding, like Bethany Frankel did oh. with her terrible ex husband, um, as did Tamara Judge, who is on the Real Housewives of Orange County. That series is really depressing this season. I don't know that I would advise watching it. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, wow. Well, um, you know, that's quite a reality TV stoop. So many divorces. I know. And I didn't realize how many of them involved Real Housewives. Well, and you know what's interesting is that now on New York, there is not a single housewife. <laughs> Luann is the only one who was married. Oh. And I don't know how, I mean, maybe I'm like too narrow definition of what a housewife is but I think if you're not actually a wife you can't be a housewife I don't I'm going to yeah because it's in the it's in the actual word so um, there will be no housewives on the housewives as of next season unless they get some new cast members maybe we should write to Andy Cohen and be like hey false advertising dude yeah Andrew Jesus Christ Cohen (laughs) Um, so on that sad note um, (laughs) all those divorces that is the end of our show this week Um, so if you have any questions for us or want to reach out you can always contact us on our social media um, which for Twitter and Instagram it's UFR underscore BG our email as we said earlier is underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com and our website is underfurtherreview-bg.com yes Um, so thanks so much for listening and we will be back with you next week Take care, everyone. Bye.